night, and welcome to Fast Break Breakfast NBA Podcast. My name is Keith, here alone for a solo interview episode. Chuck and John will be back next week. We were actually planning to record this week. Chuck had some work emergencies. Good help is hard to find. I think he had to fire another worker, so he's covering their uh, ineptitude. But we will be back next week with a full show and also more interview stuff. If you want to get more from Chuck and John and support the program, you can go to patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. The very popular Slack chat is there for $3 a month. And again, all that money that we get there pretty much goes back into the show in the form of we've been buying ads that have been delivering subscribers. So if you want to help support our show and expand our reach, grow our listener base, you can do that at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. My guest today is the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, a fantasy analyst for Basketball Monster, Mr. Red Rock B-Ball himself, Mr. Josh Lloyd. Josh, how are you? Kate, how you going? Uh, man, I'm, I'm well. You have, uh, you're still, you jet lagged? You're still struggling getting back to that Southern Hemisphere life? Yeah, I- Normally I'm pretty okay with doing it because of the way that the, the flights work is like I left I left Chicago um, at like six thirty p.m. and I got got in here at like uh, or arrived back in Australia at about seven thirty a.m. So it's like okay, cool, you do that, you sleep the the duration of the flight. It basically works out as just being your night time. But then I got here, missed a, missed a flight from Sydney to Melbourne, lost my luggage, just completely threw me all over the place, and uh, I haven't really recovered properly since. Yeah, I, I sent you a DM on Twitter, and I was like, what time do you wake up thinking maybe we could do this in the morning? And it was something like, I wake up at 6 o'clock Eastern. I'm like, okay. I'm like, what time do you go to bed? You're like, I go to bed at, I don't know, like 5 p.m. Eastern. And I'm like, that's 11 hours, dude. Like, you're sleeping for yes. 11 hours? But you said it, you yeah. said it was the jet lag. You, you, your body is, uh, is very confused. Yeah, like I'm, I'm going, I'm getting tired early, but then I wake up at like 2 a.m., 4 a.m. and go, oh, what's going on? I haven't had, haven't been able to get my, uh, my rhythm back, but uh, hopefully it comes soon. How many days were you in the States? Um, 23, I think. Wow. Yeah, it was a bit over three weeks. You call that, you guys call that a holiday, right? That's quite the holiday. Correct. But we, <laughs> holiday instead of vacation. I can't. I, I know it's probably annoying that everyone talks to you enjoys the differences between cultures. I, I I can't. I can't help myself. I just. Uh, I'm so blown away by it. Also, I'm blown away. Uh, like the weather here in Tennessee right now. We're a little, a few minutes late. Uh, for our recording time because I had a repairman over at my house working on my air conditioner because it's like 100 degrees or whatever. Is that like 30 degrees Celsius? But uh, uh, 100's like, I think it's about 35. Or okay, 30, so it's, 34, it's 34. really hot, it's hot. in yeah. Nashville. But uh, I assume it's it, it's like winter or something down there? It is. It is the middle, smack bang in the middle of winter here at the moment. And I will tell you what the temperature is. I've only got it in Celsius, but it's, uh, it's not high. Um, where are we? It is currently seven degrees Celsius, which I'm going to guess is about 42, maybe. What is, seven, is, it, 42. is it nine divided by five? Is that the nine, five? So seven, 63, 12, so it's like 40, like 45 or something, something in there. 
I've got my little converter out here handy. So let's see how it let's see how it turns out. It's a uh, forty-four and a half degrees. Uh, I'm gonna Celsius, I'm gonna say so I was close enough. Uh, yeah, how, you're good. How do you explain to a flat earther like Kyrie why <laughs> it's winter where you are and summer where I am? Well, he should know. Like he lived here for a couple of years. Like, <laughs> yeah. Not that he really not that he'd really remember, but um, I, I I don't know. I just I just feel like you. are taking a video of me breathing out cold air outside and go explain it. And it shouldn't up to, it shouldn't be up to me to, ex- to explain, um, you know, common sense and proven, uh, proven, uh, methods and theories. He should need to prove to me why I'm wrong. Yeah. I, th- I think you're right. Uh, all right. Well, before we get any further, I haven't asked you about your breakfast in this jet lag feud you've been going through. Have you been eating breakfast? Like, did you have a breakfast today? I know you're just starting your day right now. Um, it's, it's a good question, Keith. Um, I'm not sure if, you know, this is about 12 months since I've been on your podcast, I think. And I think we had, we had, we had this discussion last time. I think probably the last time that I, that I ate breakfast was probably prior to the last time I was on this podcast. Not, not a, not a big <laughs> breakfast eater. Yeah. I have, have not eaten any breakfast. I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually going the other way. I'm trying to cut out lunch as well. Just go one meal a day. Just go bang. Wow. Just, just, just get, just, just streamline the process. Just, just dinner. That's it. But yeah, you know, part of that is Keith. Now, you, 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 you saw me in Vegas. You're a, you're a slender man. You've got a you're quite athletic marathon runners build. <laughs> um, I'm not, I'm not quite so much. But by the time you'd seen me. I'd lost like 25 pounds over the over the previous three or four weeks, and I'm still I'm still Whoa. going at that. So I'm just like I'm just cutting out that I'm cutting out the uh, cutting out the meals. Dinner, that's it. Let's go. Let's cut out the meals. Go to the gym, work it out, and uh, we've still got about. I'm looking at another trying to lose another seven kilos. So we're talking about another 15 pounds. I I don't have much experience with this. I'm told the best way to lose weight is still to eat healthy and exercise. I don't think the starvation plan is recommended by doctors i'm not a doctor at 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 this point um but to me weight loss is is a it's a pretty simple um it's a pretty simple calculation it's calories in versus calories out and you want to make sure that you're you're burning more calories than you're consuming so however that sort of you want to make sure the food you're eating is healthy so i'm not going out there and go come having one meal a day let's go get seven big macs and that's my calories for the day like you got to make sure you're having the the healthy food, but you've got to make sure that your calories are, are less than what you need to sustain the day so that your body burns off what's there. And uh, it's been working for me. And I just drink a lot of water to fill my stomach to make it think like it's eating lunch. I guess I guess your plan's okay. But at some point, you hit a point where you actually yeah. need to match the calories you're exerting with the food you're putting in. Like the- Otherwise, you just <laughs> keep dropping and dropping. So once I get to that that zone where I want to be, then, then, then the lunch will come back in and, and you never know, Keith, maybe you'll bring in breakfast and I'll, uh, we'll do an emergency podcast to discuss what I'm eating first thing in the morning. I hope when you do add breakfast, you will at least let me know. I'm actually still, I have a grin on my face cause I'm still cracking up to your response to my, my question. If you had breakfast with that's a really good question, Keith, which is like the cliche podcast <laughs> guest answer. Like, I mean, if it, when you listen to podcasts, anytime the guest is like, you know, that's a, that's a really good question. It's not like it hardly ever is, but to receive that on the, did you eat breakfast? It actually cracked me up and I'm still, I'm still giggling about it. Um, anyway, the, the reason it was a good question is because I, I needed, I needed to go further and say, forget breakfast, man. I'm cutting out lunch now. We're getting into a okay. whole new area. So that's, that, that just wasn't, wasn't a, it wasn't a simple yes or no for me. Okay. Is there, is there another mammal that only maybe eats like one big meal a day? Maybe something from, uh, the Australian continent. I don't know. Like are koalas known just to 
I guess they're they're kind of just getting high all day. Uh, that, that's yeah. I think I think the koala. I think koalas sleep about twenty two hours a day and uh, and and just sort of eat little bits. So I reckon that that might be a an apt uh, analogy. <laughs> all right. Well, we're now that we got the breakfast out of the way. Let's talk about something. You are a, a self professed, although many believe in you. You're an expert on fantasy basketball, and I think the big question is. After these summer leagues, when we finally get a look at the rookies and second-year players, but mainly the rookies, and we get excited and we make big, you know, pronouncements and snap decisions on those rookies. But at, so, as a fantasy basketball expert, who are the guys who really popped out to you at summer league who you think are going to be the best fantasy prospects next year? First of all, I hate the word expert, Keith. Hate it. No, I, I, ref, I refuse to use it to uh, to describe myself. I'll, I'll say analyst, someone who, who looks at it and spends too much time doing it. Um, but as for the rookies who are who are going to be the most impactful, look, last year obviously it was a struggle for for 2016 drafted rookies to have too much of an impact. We saw the best three rookies, who two of them weren't drafted last year in uh, Embiid and Sharich, with Brogdon being the only really one to be a, a consistent fantasy option, and even then. He wasn't really a consistent fantasy option because Jason Kidd uh, took him about four or five months to determine that he was his best option to play in the in the backcourt over Matthew Delavadova. So we didn't really get too much from the from the young guys in terms of fantasy last year. This year it's going to be a completely different story. You're going to see a big production and, and fairly decent minutes from a lot of guys. You've got Lonzo Ball. To me, is probably for this season at least going to be the number one fantasy guy. His scoring might be a concern. I think it almost definitely will be a concern. He's not going to score much, but he is going to be a, an interesting fantasy guy. Markel Fultz, Dennis Smith Jr., they're going to be your top three guys. And then I'd throw in a bloke like uh, John Collins in Atlanta who has got uh, the fantasy profile to be fantastic, but he's also got a, a massive opportunity. Um, in terms of just what's happening with that team for him to really step forward and, and get himself a, a fair amount of minutes. So while last year we had like one drafted player maybe crack the top 150, this year we could have easily four or five guys inside the top 100. So you think Lonzo Ball is going to be first off the board? What, what kind of production do you project for him? I, I think that there's a number of reasons he'll be number one off the board. Um, number one is he plays for the Lakers and um, and there's an extraordinary am amount of hype uh, around him, but it's not unfounded in terms of fantasy numbers. Like when I do all these, you know, really, really basic projections before the draft and before we know what team they go to, like he was out of the upper echelon guys. I think I did like a hundred prospects and he was maybe sixth, but out of the upper echelon guys, he was, he was the highest one ahead of all those other top 10 picks. Like the only guy in the first round, I think who was projected above him was, uh, was John Collins. Uh, from Atlanta. So so Ball's got that game. The assists are super valuable in fantasy. He blocks shots really well for a point guard. He he gets steals as well. He had an extraordinarily high field goal percentage last year, which is not going to translate at that same level this year. But his ability to maybe average seven, seven and a half, eight assists, even though it might only be on 12 points and he might shoot instead of the 71% he shot on twos last year, he might only be 45 this year or 46, like his ability to get assist steals, blocks, rebound pretty well for his size is going to make him a valuable player. But with all rookies, Keith, they get overdrafted. I saw some someone the other day say, tell me oh, I'm going to be taking Lonzo Ball in the second round. I went, cool, you do that, mate. You just lost. Look, you, you, you're done. That's, that, that's the sort of stupidity that tends to arise amongst people when rookies come in is they go real hard and they draft them at their absolute 
1% best case scenario when in reality they're not going to get to that level. You say that, but the first year I played fantasy basketball, and if you don't know, I guess I've only played fantasy basketball for a couple of years, and one of the first leagues I played in was in one of your Red Rock listener leagues. I drafted Carl Anthony Towns and Devin Booker as rookies, just like, why not? These guys are going to get a chance. And I got to say, I, uh, I enjoyed it. Felt like they did good. Towns worked out well. There's, there's no doubting that. But in general, you would have had to take him maybe about pick 50-ish. And I think he finished the season as maybe the 35th ranked player. So it was a little bit of value. But yeah, Devin Booker, I don't I don't think Devin Booker finished inside the top 170 in that year. So the the odds are, look, and there will always be players. Like there, you know, Steph Curry, Chris Paul, Kyrie Irving, these guys are all top 20, top 25 guys in their rookie season. But we're talking about three guys over the course of the last 15 years or so that have that have had such high impact seasons as rookies. And then you've got all the other guys who don't. And in general, you have maybe on average two to three players as rookies who finish as top 100 fantasy players. And in general, you'll have eight guys who get drafted in the top 100. So it, it's a losing proposition in most and, – and it's always – risk management, who, where am I taking this guy, which guy is it? But as a general rule, rookies underperform where they're ex- what they're expected to perform at. So does that mean if you're in a non-dynasty league, you're probably not ending up with many rookies? Yes, that's, that, that's correct. Um, especially, look, there'll be guys like, I'll be in on a guy like John Collins who won't have the hype of Fultz of Smith of Ball. And if I, if I get him at pick 110 or 120, I'll be happy with it because I, I, I look at those last couple of picks as throwaway picks anyway. You're going to drop those guys. But if it pays off for him, he could crack the top 60. There's a, there's a chance of that. But to get Fultz, to get Ball, you're going to need to potentially reach inside that top 50 anyway when that's probably what their ceiling is as it is. And the same with Smith and, and people are going to reach on guys like Jason. People are going to draft Jason Tatum and he's not going to have an impact. They're going to grab Josh Jackson and he's going to go way too high. Uh, they're going to grab De'Aaron Fox who has to share minutes with uh, George Hill now and, and he's going to go way too high. So those sort of players, they're the ones that I'll, I'll skip out on. But I'll, I'll take a I'll take a little punt on a guy like a, like a Johnny Collins a little bit later on. And if any of those other guys slip, then sure, if they f- fall to the right range. But in general, there's always someone that's way too eager to grab those young guys just because they um they think, oh, look, look, great rookie class, awesome rookie class, but play them against your grown men. There are there's shortcomings uh, they do they do come out pretty quickly, especially for those first three months of the year. Yeah, I think one guy also that I, I'm vaguely interested in just because of the opportunity that might be there is drafting blind uh, Frank Natilakina. And I don't know if I'm saying that right, you know, with the Knicks, just because maybe there's no one that's going to play point guard for the Knicks. But then again, they're well, they're in the Kyrie rumor, so. Well, that's that's. I was just just before we started this uh, show, I was listening to uh, an older Zach Lowe podcast with uh, with Howard Beck and Ian Begley, and they were talking about uh, Nilakina. It's a silent T, which I always I always oh, just go to you. silent N, but it's a it's a it's a silent T. Um, and they were saying that the Knicks are, are fine opening the season with him as their starting point guard. Now he is the guy. Yes, he's the starting point guard. He'll get the minutes, but his projections don't look great from a, a, a translation from Europe just in terms of his first year. And while he will play the minutes, I would expect horrendous shooting percentages, poor scoring. Yeah, and I think he will struggle in, in a big way. But as I said, you take him with one of those last picks and somehow he absolutely comes out flying. 
and good on you. It, it's, it's worked out fantastic, but he's not someone you go, oh, I'm going to go up pick 60 for Neil Aquina. And that's the like, you know, 0.01% chance that he gets to that level. All right. Some of the big name guys who have changed teams this off season. Uh, let's look at some of them and how you project their fantasy value uh, to change. Um, so what do you think? Like, what do you think the effects are of say the Paul George trade? I think it has to has to impact him and it has to impact Russell Westbrook in a negative sense. Now, the, a lot of people will cry out, oh, but it'll help their efficiency and it probably will. It, it probably will help their efficiency to some degree, but when you're helping, efficiency is good. And that, that's a good thing in fantasy as well. But if it's decreasing, you know, four or five of your counting stats and increasing one of your efficiency stats, the overall net value is a bit of a decrease. And it's not going to be a huge decrease. But we saw that 2015, 16, Steph Curry and Kevin Durant were the number one and two players in fantasy. They joined up and they become like four and five or three and five or whatever they ended up being ranked. So while it wasn't a significant tumble, it was big enough to to drop them down. So Westbrook could move down from being the number one or two guy to being the number four guy. Paul George could move from being yeah, 13 to 15 to, to 17 to 18, that sort of a range, just a small enough, a small enough jump. Now, the other thing that's a part of that is, is that so many other of these top fantasy players teamed up as well. So maybe it doesn't change them at all. Gotcha. So what about, and I guess that the same category is I'm looking at the Chris Paul and James Harden situation where I think Westbrook doesn't get as many triple doubles. He's not going to be the triple double guy again with Paul George there. Same with James Harden. I assume Chris Paul is going to cannibalize a lot of his assists. So how do you think it affects both of their numbers, Chris Paul's numbers and James Harden's? I think you hit the nail on the head that the, both of their assists will drop a little bit. Now, they're not going to play a single second, I don't think, a, apart from garbage time without either Harden or Paul on the court. I don't think there's any uh, there's any doubt about that. Those those two guys, Harden will play his 34, 35 minutes. Paul will play his 31. They'll play some together. And they'll they'll take their own little parts on the court, which is they'll have like, you know, 15 minutes, 16 minutes where they're, where they're on their own on the court. So they'll be able to get their numbers happening there. But you have to assume that their assist numbers are going to drop. Um, you know, Harden's scoring may drop a little bit as well. I think that will be especially influenced if Carmelo Anthony joins too. That'll, that'll just cop a little bit of a hit too. So I, I think we see both of their both of their numbers dropping. But Harden and Westbrook were the number one and number two guys last year, so they're both going to take a hit back. So it just really opens up that top end of fantasy drafts for all of these guys to be in consideration. Could it be Harden? Could it be Westbrook? Could it be Durant? Could it be Curry? Could it be Davis? Could it be Towns? Could it be Leonard? Could it be Adetokounmpo? Like there's just everyone who's in this, in this mix now that can all, um, that can all be that, that number one guy just because of these little tiny hits that so many of these guys are taking. Looking at some of the, the less, so those, those are like the, the big top guys, the kind of the next tier of guys who moved, um, do you think these guys' numbers are going to change very much? And that's uh, Jimmy Butler, Paul Millsap, or Gordon Hayward. Um, Jimmy Butler, I don't, I don't think he's going to have too much of a of a negative impact. Now he had a pretty good season last year, just in terms of his assists. If Ricky Rubio still had been there, then that would have impacted him in that way. But Jeff Teague is not too much of a concern there. I think that Butler arriving is going to have a negative impact more on Wiggins rather than the other way around. Um, and Wiggins will lose a, a bit of usage. Towns will lose a little bit, and maybe Butler loses a little bit too. But I think Butler 
will be relatively similar. Um, it's not like his minutes are going to go down or anything like that. We don't have any concerns with that, with uh, with Thibodeau running things. So I think Butler will be fine. Gordy Haywood, I think he definitely has to lose some value just playing along Isaiah, uh, uh, alongside Isaiah Thomas in terms of shot attempts and scoring is going to go down. I think that we might see him handle the ball just a little bit more and, and Isaiah can play off it a, a little bit also. And I think you're going to see Gordon play at the two a little bit more this season where he was playing a little bit of small ball four in Utah, but with the exceptional amount of wings that Boston has, there'll be times when you see Gordon Haywood playing alongside two other guys like Crowder, like Jalen Brown, and that might have a, an impact on his uh, field goal percentage and maybe his rebounding numbers too. So I think he is going to cop a little bit of a hit also. The other one you said Millsap. Now Millsap dropped quite considerably last year as well. And there's two reasons for that. One was playing alongside Dwight Howard, which really reduced his block numbers, impacted his field goal percentage, pushed him further out of the paint. And the other is the fact that he's 32 years of age. Now, we don't know which one of those was the biggest impact on those, and that's going to be the uh, the interesting thing to see this season. But with uh, Nikola Jokic playing alongside him, he's obviously going to get really good looks from passes. He's going to be required more to be more of a rim protector. So I think we can see his block numbers coming back up. But his 2015-16 block numbers were by far a career high, so I wouldn't expect him to get back to that level. All in all, I think the change of moving away from Dwight to playing with Jokic, and then that is then offset by him being another year older, probably leaves Millsap about the same as where he was the year before. Looking at the Brooklyn Nets, a team that you don't normally have a lot of fantasy guys from, Brooke Lopez, probably the only guy you know that was used much last, last year, uh, they picked up a couple of guys who probably weren't on many rosters last year, but maybe we'll have an opportunity. And that is uh, D'Angelo Russell, who, who should get plenty of shots. And then another guy, maybe Alan Crabb. Uh, do you think those guys are going to be worth, worth or I guess, do you think Crabb is going to be worth owning? Will he get enough shots? And then what do you think uh, D'Angelo Russell is going to be doing? D'Angelo Russell last year was really good, um, and he was just con- there's just such a negative um, a negative vibe around D'Angelo Russell everywhere you look, and it's and it's ridiculous in in my opinion. But he was really good. He was like a top forty player after the All Star break last season, and he is going to have that opportunity again this season. He is going to be a really good value player, and I think he's going to be a, a huge steal in fantasy drafts this year. As for Alan Crabb, um, he's bad. He's he's not he's not a good fantasy player at all. He's not a great real life player to be honest. Now I don't know what they're going to do with their rotation. I think that they should be starting Russell and Lynn together, and I think that's what they will do. But now there's a you know, talk today coming out that they're looking to start Crab at the three, and that that puts a huge handbrake on guys like Karis Levert. They brought in Damari Carroll, who, who's also not good, um, and they've got Rondo Hollis Jefferson there, who plays the three and the four. But as for Crab, what does he do? He shoots the three well. Like he's a good three-point shooter. He does literally nothing else well. Like he doesn't score. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't get rebounds. He doesn't get assists. He doesn't get steals. He doesn't block shots. He doesn't get to the line. He does nothing else apart from hit, shoot threes, and he does them at a high percentage but low volume. So he played 28 minutes a game last year. It wasn't like he was playing just 20 minutes a game, and oh, he's going to see this huge, huge increase. And yeah, he comes to the Nets that don't necessarily have a lot of talent, but they also do have. These guys like Karis Levert, Damari Carroll, and Hollis Jefferson, who are all going to play in that same position as him. So he's not going to come out playing 35 minutes a night, having 28% usage and doing all these things. He's just a a bad, low upside fantasy player, in my opinion, that people will get sucked into, and uh, I probably won't be one of them. 
Another guy who, who is mainly known as a shooter who might have a chance actually to shoot even more three-pointers this season is J.J. Redick in Philadelphia. What, do you think he's a guy that you know you should be looking to get for that three-point category and maybe having even more shots than he did on the Clippers? Um, no, not really. Um, he was a guy that, that did struggle at times with the Clippers last year. His minutes did start to come down. He He's he's older again. We talk about Millsap and the extra year of of, of age coming onto that, and, and he'll hit threes. There's no doubt about that. But you can get threes from so many other guys. Like a person that you're pretty familiar with, Keith. Like Troy Daniels averaged over two threes a game. Like if you want to get threes, you can get threes from random guys that you can just find on the waiver wire and, and add them in. There are there are players. Are, Nick Young averaged two and a half threes a game. He does nothing else. And, and Redick is getting really close to being that sort of a guy that just gives you threes and nothing else. Previously, he'd give you a lot of threes, but really high field goal percentage. But as the age moves on, and we saw that a bit with Kyle Corver as well, is that those field goal percentage numbers start to come down. He doesn't get to the line as often, and he offers pretty much nothing else. So to me, Redick is just a, a waiver wire, last pick sort of a guy that offers you threes when you can literally stream them in from pretty much anywhere. Uh, all right, and one more guy uh, who I feel like fantasy players have – always kind of hope maybe he's going to break out. I know I definitely bought in a couple years ago, hoping it was, he was going to break out and hasn't yet finds himself on yet another new team. Victor Oladipo. What do you see for him? Yeah, I'm, I'm in on Oladipo and I was pretty in on him last year. A, a few things and people say, Oh, how could you, how could you be in on Oladipo? He was always Westbrook was always going to like, you know, go revenge and average a triple double. But I go, well, cool. That that's fine. But, Oladipo averaged the same amount of points in OKC than he did that he did in Orlando. Exactly the same. He was more efficient. He had a better field goal percentage. He had a better three-point percentage. But the things that really, really impacted him last year is his free throw percentage dropped by 10%. It's inexplicable. There's no reason why a guard who shot 85% throughout his career all of a sudden shoots 75% in one season. It makes no sense. His uh, assist numbers dropped considerably because Billy Donovan just refused. Uh, Billy Donovan's idea of point guard is let's find the worst point guards we can possibly play and put them as the backups with Samaje Christen and Norris Cole. When you've got a guy who, for the 10 minutes a night that, Ola, uh, that Westbrook's off the court, Oladipo could have run that point guard position and he just refused to do it. And that caused his assist numbers to go from four and a half to two and a half per game, which was a massive drop in his value. His defensive numbers, you know, what is, why did he... Steel numbers and, and shot blocking numbers almost get cut in half. Like that's got nothing to do with Westbrook. Just weird, weird numbers that didn't really make any sense. But he goes to Indiana now, and instead of sharing the point guard or you know, the ball handling with Russell Westbrook, it's Darren Collison and Corey Joseph, guys who aren't dominant ball handlers, guys that aren't guys that are going to have the ball in their hand the whole time. They play in a, in a system that's a little bit more aggressive defensively. Monte Ellis is a guy that in Indiana was averaging two steals a game. Paul George got a lot of steals per game. Oladipo can move into that, and he is going to be a player that everyone hated last year, and he's going to be a super value this year, I think, as he gets those assist numbers back up, the defensive numbers back up, and hopefully he figures out how to shoot his free throws again. You said a lot of good stuff there. You, you, you kind of got me excited about Oladipo. And it's actually funny because on, on our regular show with John and Chuck, I find myself defending Oladipo a good bit, but I'm kind of I'm kind of thinking also, and this might just be in real life as opposed to fantasy. Uh, I'm kind of thinking maybe we're three teams into Oladipo being like the next Jeff Green, 
where we talk ourselves into them every year for like eight years until we finally like, you know what? Nah, we were wrong. Like, he looks kind of good. He's got some tools. Maybe he's not there, but I don't know. I, I'll, I'll trust you. Maybe I'll take a flyer uh, and see if Oladipo can, uh, can pick it up this season. Uh, so, some, some personal questions uh, for my own fantasy team. And this is, this is the real reason why I brought you on. Uh, in a dynasty league, I'm looking at Devin Booker, a guy who I, I haven't enjoyed that much. And I, I, got, a, I got a difficult keeper question. Um, do you think his stats have kind of plateaued because he played so many garbage minutes last year? All of his big games were just the ridiculous extended garbage uh, minutes, huge fourth quarters and losses, 74 point, point games in, in a loss. Uh, do you think he's going to get better uh, efficiency wise? Or do you think maybe he's kind of plateaued with his fantasy production? I think that he will increase his fantasy. We're only talking about his third season, but I don't yeah. think that anyone should be valuing him as a top 20, top 30 sort of a fantasy player. He, he just, the efficiency has, and this is, and I get into arguments with people about this all the time because even since he came in, I really liked Devin Book and I was you know, very much into him. He really good guy, good player. I was really, really into him, but people say, oh, he's Clay Thompson. Like, he's not Clay Thompson. He's nowhere near Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson's a very good defender. Devin Booker is one of the absolute worst defenders. Clay Thompson is a very good three-point shooter. Devin Booker is not, and he's never proven to be a good three-point shooter. He looks like he can be a good three-point shooter. He looks like Clay Thompson, but never has been. He's a scorer, but he is not a shooter. He's not a great, he's not a knockdown three-point shooter that's going, Clay Thompson hit 40% of his threes every year in the league. Devin Booker's like a 33, 34% guy who's 41, 42% from the field. Like he's not efficient. He takes bad shots. He takes contested long twos more than more than he takes uh, the three-pointers at times. And and that's going to, that's an impact. So we have this idea and it, and it just gets burnt into everyone's head that, oh, he's Clay Thompson. He's, he's not. He's Devin Booker and he's got his own certain parts of his game. But it, it, it's not it's not as totally fantastic for fantasy. He's not blocking shots. He's not getting steals. His assists are okay, but he's a, he's a poor rebounder. He's got bad efficiency. He's not hitting volume threes as well. So I think that his value is very very high in some people's mind, and, it, and it's nowhere near that high in my mind. Yeah, I think I think I'm gonna cut him free. You know, I, I feel like, I feel like his keeper price is coming year. It's gonna be like where he should probably be drafted. So I think I think I might be done with the Devin Booker experience. But then once I let him go, I'll, I'll probably enjoy his game again. So I, cause I feel I, I feel like I've been mad at him for two years now. So so maybe if he's not on my team, I'll, I'll like him a little more. He's great in some fantasy leagues if you're talking about points leagues because he scores a lot of points. Like he he he, he could average 25 a game this year, and I don't think that's yeah out of out of the realms of possibility. And as with everything, like you look at a fantasy stat line, points is the biggest number. Yeah, he can have 25 points, one, three, th- two rebounds, two assists, zero steals. And you go, 25 is big. That's huge. That's a huge <laughs> number. But if he had three steals, three steals is infinitely more valuable than 25 points. But because 25 is eight times as big as three, rough math, it's um, it, it looks better. Oh, but yeah, mate, he's twenty years old. He averaged twenty five points a game. Yeah, I know that. But everything else was way well below average. So it does really, um, it does really influence people's mind that he's a he's a big time big point scorer when the other areas do do drop off. And this is no criticism of Booker at all. It's more just let's put his production into perspective uh, from a fantasy point of view and, and try not to go completely over the top with it. That that dumb fantasy voice impression you were doing. <laughs> I was taking yeah. that as an offensive American stereotype. 
I just want you to know that. I think you were making fun of Americans. But I wasn't even using my American accent. <laughs> uh, would you like to? If you no, want. I, I don't think so. It's, it's bad. It's, it's real bad. It, it's, it's sort of like this It's, it's a weird um, TV American accent, like Californian sort of uh, weird. It, it's not good. Why don't you say in your American accent, let's go get some Chick-fil-A and Chipotle. Okay, let's, let's go. Um, oh, this is going to be bad. Let's go get some uh, Chick-fil-A and some Chipotle. That was perfect. That was great. There you go. You, you sound like all my friends. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, to, to, to wrap up, I want to start well with our, with our Patreon supporters that we have for Fastback Breakfast. We did a fantasy league last year. Uh, this year, I'm thinking about I want to make the best fantasy league possible for our supporters. And again, I'm, I'm a novice at fantasy basketball. You are, you call yourself an analyst. I'll, I'll call you an expert. In your opinion, what is the absolute best settings for a fantasy basketball league? And I will say, I like, I like head to head. I think head to head's the best. But so what do you think are the best settings for a fantasy league? First of all, the best way to do it is when you, in your draft, do it as an auction draft. That, that, that's your number one. Oh, definitely. Best, yeah, yeah best thing to do you got you got to do an, an auction draft that, that that's your number one thing to do absolutely um i'm trying out something with head-to-head leagues this year because you can, i hate turnovers as a category really really despise despise them getting to arguments about oh, but you know they, they represent you know what the person's real life value is on the court and i had this discussion with someone the other day well does it really because all, all of the teams that were had the highest turnovers were the best teams the players with the that the two leaders in turnovers per game were first and second in MVP. Like, yeah. turn. How does turnovers? You know, oh, he doesn't turn the ball over. He's a good player. Doesn't turn the ball over because he doesn't have the ball because he's not good enough to have the ball. We talked. We and actually talked are, about this last time. Where I was again as a fantasy novice coming to you with turnovers is the dumbest category in the world. Oh, it's terrible. In in head to head, you if you can win a category by not playing people, it's a bad category. So, yep. yeah, yeah. So, so, so what, what's the solution? What's the solution? So this is what I'm trying this year to, to do is I'm eliminating the turnover category. I'm eliminating field goal percentage as a category. And I'm introducing two-point field goal percentage and three-point field goal percentage. So splitting the field goal percentage up into twos and threes. Now, some um, poor, inferior fantasy providers don't provide two-point percentage as a category. And in that case, you can just do field goal percentage and three-point percentage. But threes are... Three-point percentage is way more important than turnovers, and it's also something that's not a volume category. It's not a turn. It's not a um accounting stat. So it can be useful if you're at a, a games disadvantage in fantasy. So I'm adding three-point percentage in this year instead of turnovers. And again, I'm replacing field goal percentage with two-point percentage, but that might not be able to be done by everybody. But I'm going to see how that goes. I'm running it across my uh, twelve head-to-head leagues that I'm running for my listeners this year, and. I want to sort of hope that that works out well. I think it will. And, you know, introduce that as like a, a second standard nine category head to head format. That's really good. I was actually thinking maybe like a turnovers per minute, but I don't know any, any place that calculates that no. for you. You know, the other one you can do is you can split your rebounds into offensive and defensive rebounds. Um, oh. I, I would never go offensive and um, offensive and total rebounds because that's a right. double dip. You yeah. can do offensive and defensive, and that's the people you got to try and avoid the double dip as well, which is why I want to split field goals into twos and threes because 
Otherwise, your three-point percentage is influencing your total field goal percentage. And the other one people love to add is adding free throws made. But that's a, that's a double dip onto points. Like every time you hit a free throw, you get a point and you get a free throw made as well. So I don't like I don't like the double dip aspect of that. But the offensive-defensive rebound split is definitely another way you can go. That's pretty good. All right, so I, I'm going to see if my, if my dynasty league that I'm in that I care about, uh, maybe maybe we can get rid of turnovers. Add that's interesting that the two point percentage and three point percentage, that, that's a good idea. All right, last question before, before you get out of here. I know you are a Bulls fan, or at least you were last time I yeah, talked to you. Yeah, barely. Yeah. <laughs> You're barely a Bulls fan. So uh, we check in with you every every nine months or so. How are you feeling about your boy uh, Nikola Mirotic right now? And that's for fantasy purposes and in real life purposes. I want him to go to another team because the Bulls are just going to screw it up once again. They have absolutely no idea how to – Fred Hoiberg has no idea how to use him. I think that if he goes back there, they're going to jerk him around again and, and rotate him through with Bob Portis and Larry Markin, and they're going to play him you know, 23 minutes and try and make him spot up. And he's not a spot-up shooter. That's, that's not what his role is. He's a – give him the ball. And we you see it in those times where he's had those excellent marches the last two, three years. It's because they just give him the ball. And let him create, let him attack closeouts, let him move, let him pass, let him score. And he, he does all this, but they've got absolutely no idea how to use him. So I want him to go to another team where they can go, all right, cool. You're going to be our guy that's going to play 27 a night. We're going to use you in a non-stereotypical, you're a white European to stand out and shoot threes type of a way because that's just not what he is. So you're still a believer, still a true believer. Oh, in, in, absolutely, because you, you see it and – you see him play and just have a look what he did in March when they decided to use him in a more consistent manner. And then after Taj Gibson got traded and we saw, okay, oh, oh look at this. Spacing works. Every one of the Bulls, like um, top eight, I think two-man lineups involved Nikola Miritich. You know, Miritich and Butler. Miritich, he was just opening things up for everybody else. He can space, but he can also create. And Hoiberg's the worst coach for him. So he needs to go somewhere else and – I'm not sure where that is. I would have loved him to go, for, to go to Brooklyn and just, hey, let's just start him and, and, and go sick from there. But uh, I don't think that's going to end up happening. And he'll be back in Chicago and my frustrations will mount once more. Let's work out a a restricted free agent swap from my Memphis Grizzlies, Jamichael Green to the Bulls, uh, Nikola Mertrich to the Grizzlies. I'd be a fan of that. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that, that's that's a massive win for the, for the Grizzlies. Um, yeah, and the, you've got literally no power forwards really at all you know, unless you want to talk about the literally Deontay Davis is, none. Uh, no literally no power forwards on the roster it's it's yep. insane <laughs> all right well hey so, josh yeah, he goes there he would kill it i'd love that that's a good idea let's do it let's make it happen josh thanks so much for coming on with me again uh hopefully we can get you back on maybe right before the season with all your fantasy sleepers and studs uh tell people where they can listen to your podcast and get all that daily fantasy advice well, you can find my podcast wherever good podcasts are downloaded. iTunes, which I now believe called Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, and we are now on Spotify as well. So if you want to listen to your podcast on Spotify, the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast is available there as well. So you can go and uh, find that, download it, listen to me for five minutes, and then shut it off if you get sick of my voice. But at least download it. That, that, that helps the numbers. Yeah, and also you can uh... – Telling our listeners, you can join Josh's Patreon and join his very intense fantasy basketball leagues. I know a lot of fantasy basketball fans are out there, and so you can find that good competition over uh, with Josh. Well, hey, bud, uh, good talking to you, and I uh, hope you get over that jet lag, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you, Keith. 
All right. Thanks again to Josh Lloyd on Twitter. He's at Red Rock underscore B Ball. Uh, he gives all kinds of fantasy advice. He, I see him responding all the time to all kinds of questions. So if you have fantasy basketball questions, you can at him, follow him, get all that good information. If you want to support our show, you can do that at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. Again, we're going to get a couple fantasy leagues going this year. We're going to do one of those head-to-head, I think, leagues again. There also is talk of my own iShop league where you rewarded for negative fantasy performances. Uh, so that will be a lot of fun. Again, if you want to join that, go to patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. We're going we're gonna to revamp a lot of those tiers and rewards now that we've learned more about Patreon and what we're going to put out and do. So again, you can get involved there. You can follow me on Twitter at fastbreakbreak. Like us on Facebook. You guys are the best. Thanks for listening. And remember, breakfast is the most important thing. Yeah, never apologize for being G&G. Fab break break, man. You understand?